Digital Marketing Radio, episode 270. How do SEO and PR work together? Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the place where today's modern marketing masters keep you up to date with all the latest tools, tactics and trends, all the essential matters in digital marketing today. Now, the chances are that you're either great at SEO or PR. They seem like very different modern marketing disciplines. One technical, one creative. However, to be as effective as possible, they need to work together. Digital PR can be a wonderful way of driving authority, aka links to your site. And that's what I'm going to be discussing on episode 270 of Digital Marketing Radio, with a specialist copywriter, and digital PR strategist who helps SaaS companies rank in Google search and convert that traffic into free trial signups and demo requests. Her clients include Drift, Travel Perk and Story Chief, and her work has been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur and Business Insider. Welcome to DMR, Diana Mayfield. Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. Hey, Diana. Super thanks excited um, to chat with you. So much for um, being part of this. Well, you can find Diana over at dianamayfield.com. So, Diana, how should SEO and digital PR be working more closely together? Yeah, so um, there are several key ways, but to start off, the simplest way that I like to describe why these two strategies need to work together and why that's important is that when you're using SEO, it's like you're telling Google who you are, who your business is, what you want to rank for. And PR is other companies telling Google who you are. So Google's not just going to listen to you. They're not just going to listen to you toot your own horn. They're also going to listen to what other websites are saying about you to determine if you are truly an authority in that subject matter. So if you want free traffic from Google, but you're just doing SEO and you're not focused on PR and backlinks at all, then you're missing a big part of the puzzle of what Google cares about. And, you know, you're basically just tooting your own horn, but you're not really leaning on the opportunity to have other websites back up what you're saying and back you up as an authority. And a lot of people in SEO understand the importance of backlinks and they use backlink outreach um, to get backlinks. But the problem with that is that you are just getting a backlink. When you do backlink outreach, you just get a backlink. (laughs) If you're lucky, you write an email, you say, hey, I noticed you have this resource. I have a relevant resource that should, you know, be included in your blog post. Please link to it. That's like a really basic email that anybody that's writing content has received a million times. If you're lucky, it works. Most of the time, it doesn't. And if it does work, all you get is a backlink. But if you're doing digital PR to get backlinks, you get the backlink, you get a relationship with that journalist or that blogger or that, you know, relative, um, you know, company that's not a competitor. And then you also get a hit of traffic to your website when, you know, whatever that piece is goes live, whether it's a feature in Forbes or it's a um, guest blog on a, you know, a big website with a, you know, good readership 
or it's a podcast, you're also going to get a hit of traffic to your website, which you could potentially convert into email subscribers if you have like a well-optimized lead magnet on your homepage. So when you're doing digital PR, you get, you know, multiple benefits and your win rate can also be higher because, you know, podcast hosts need interviewees and journalists need people to, um, you know, interview and feature. So your win rate can be, you know, higher depending on like the competitiveness of the uh, publications that you're going after compared to backlink outreach, which is essentially, you know, essentially cold outreach that uh, people don't really want to receive. And it's like, they don't have a need to backlink to you. I'm not incentivized to like, sure, I'm going to give you a backlink. Like, why would I do that? I have no reason to spend five or 10 minutes editing my post to to give you a backlink. I love that perspective. Stop tooting your own horn and try to get other people to toot your horn on your behalf. And I I guess it's easier said than done as well, because there are many people that um, receive emails, uh, requests to be featured or certainly to receive links. One thing that you mentioned towards the end of end of what you said there is um people are looking for people to interview um either on podcasts or perhaps on other publications is that one of the more effective ways now to to get other people to talk to you um to to receive a backlink and to actually publish content on your, on your behalf um to be interviewed by these publications yeah so um that's kind of an effective you know strategy is to create relationships with journalists. Um, You can do that by pitching them a story or, you know, you can follow them on Twitter and LinkedIn and comment on their content. So they kind of know who you are. And if you have kind of, you know, an optimized profile, you have a very clear LinkedIn profile and you find a journalist who, you know, interviews business owners just like you, then there's a chance that they will reach out to you without you even having to um, reach out to them because they'll have seen you kind of popping up in their feed, commenting on their stuff. They know what you do. Um, So that kind of organic inbound PR is one opportunity. And then of course, there's, you know, more traditional media pitches where you are pitching journalists um, via email. If you're going for competitive you know, large household name brand publications, your win rate there will be a lot, um, you know, lower, but it's a great strategy because that's how you can get those really high um, DR backlinks from websites that are, you know, they have a DR of like 75 to like 93. Um, So that not only gives you kind of more traffic in that moment because they have a bigger audience, but then you're also getting a a backlink from like a higher DR site. Um, And then if you're kind of looking for, uh, you care more about the backlinks than you do the digital PR, like you're not so worried about accessing new audiences and looking like an authority and collecting these fancy logos. If that's not you, then, you know, guest posting can be the easiest strategy and you can just find um, non-competing websites in your industry, within your, you know, target market that um, have a DR of like at least 40. And one of my top secrets with um, guest posting is to actually 
templatize your guest post. So think of like a top 10 tips for, you know, your target customer. And then now the next guest post you write might be seven of those. And you're not copying. You're not ever going to give somebody a copy of the same guest post. You're going to reword it, but you might do like five or you might do seven or you might switch it into a how-to, but you're kind of templatizing the content in some way so that every time you write a guest post, it's a lot faster and you can look at your previous one and you know rewrite it, but rewrite the same content. Just like if somebody goes on a podcasting tour and they give you know 50 podcast interviews in a month, they're going to be talking about the same sorts of things if they're trying to establish their expertise. So you can do the same thing with guest blogging and it'll take away some of the effort when it comes to producing the blog because it could take you an hour or even 45 minutes to rewrite a blog versus like three to four hours to come up with something new every time. Yeah, podcast tours are something that I have a bit of a, I guess, a love-hate relationship with because obviously (laughs) as a host of a podcast, I get quite a bit of outreach. I I get at least kind of one person a day or so reaching out to me asking to be on a podcast, normally through a podcast booking agency, which is less personal and not particularly appealing. Um, you're actually, yeah. uh, one thing I love about doing this show is is the last question that I have is Magical Marketer. And uh, I get the host, the the interviewee, sorry, to, to recommend a Magical Marketer. Who else um, do, do you love, do you recommend as a Magical Marketer? And uh, Andy Cabasso, uh, episode 249, yeah. recommended you. Um, so that was one of the reasons yeah. that um, we, we got in touch. And um, if people reach out to me and I, I don't really know them, um, then most of the time I I don't have them on the show, um, either because maybe they haven't demonstrated that they've listened to an episode. Um, they haven't given me a fairly personalised pitch. And I, I, I just feel that they're trying to sell something as opposed to pr- provide value to the audience. Now, at the beginning of the point there, um, you were talking about um, how you should actually make it appealing um, for interviewers, journalists um, to reach out to you, to think that you're an obvious subject matter expert on whatever topic you're, you're, mm. you're, you're, you want to share about. Um, so what is it about a profile um, that makes it appealing for a journalist or an interviewer to, to reach out and think that person is ideal. And so, so what does a, a, a marketer or a thought leader has to do, ha- have to do to maybe their website or their LinkedIn profile or, or social media handles in order to make them appealing to journalists? Yeah, so that's a really great question because the answer to this question solves a lot of problems for a lot of people people like you that are getting these, (laughs) you know, continuous, like, irrelevant pitches, Mm. right from these podcast tour things. I don't advocate for podcast tours, because yeah, people do tend to do that spray and pray kind of method. Mm -hmm. And then it also helps, um, you know, people like me that are that are looking to give interviews, you know, not have to send as many pitches to get as much publicity. So it's like, Yeah, if you're getting some from inbound PR, like that's great. Who wouldn't want that, right? So um, to answer that question, it has to be really, you know, clear, clear and then have some authority behind it. So sometimes like in LinkedIn, people will get these like fancy kind of 
I help X, Y, Z do blah, blah. And X like, it's like that kind of coaching consulting realm, um, where they're like writing these long, like headlines. I feel like that was kind of like the cool thing in like 2017, 2018 to kind of have these like long, like sentence type headlines. Um, I found that I get, um, so many more, like not only inbound PR sort of leads, but like client leads by having a super, super clear, um, LinkedIn headline. And mine just says SAS copywriter. Um, right. And, and so like you can figure out some way, maybe you might have, if you really want to have your, I help X do X, Y, Z, you know, have like a clear title before that. So, you know, Google ads expert, and then I help local businesses, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so that way, like people can see, okay, Hey, I'm, I need like a Google ads expert for this article or whatever. And they could even search because you have to think LinkedIn is also a search engine. So like journalists will absolutely, if they're looking for somebody for a story, they will absolutely use LinkedIn search, you know? And so you can like pop up, but if you have these kind of, uh, confusing headlines, you're not going to pop up and then they're not going to be able to instantly see what you do if they see your post or they see your comment, right? Cause your headline follows you around everywhere in LinkedIn. And then, um, you know, inside of your profile, I always recommend that a profile should read like a sales letter to talk about like pain points. Um, but you might also want to put like a testimonial in there. You could also put, um, some of your other like features, like if you were featured in, you know, some big name publications, you could mention that like towards the bottom, if you have a little bio section. Um, but I would definitely say the headline is the most important part. And then the other most important part, especially be, uh, when we're talking about LinkedIn is, um, to connect with those journalists. So like if you use LinkedIn sales navigator, you could make a separate, um, group of people and call it like PR and you could put, you know, podcast hosts and, um, you know, content managers of big blogs, journalists, and then inside of sales navigator, you can click on that group and you can see, um, all of their posts and then comment on some of their things. So obviously sales navigator costs like a thousand bucks a year. Um, so if you're not using it, you know, you can still do that. Just have like a spreadsheet of these people's, uh, profiles as you're kind of making your hit list of like, maybe you're also emailing them, but then you're also commenting on their content. It couldn't just be like once a month. If you don't have a lot of time, you know, once a month, you spend an hour engaging with, you know, these relationships. Um, and then if you do pitch them later, then it's like, they've seen your name and, and they know who you are and hopefully they reach out to you too. Um, and another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, we're not restricted to only going after these big household name publications. Like PR is very different than it used to be, right? We have digital PR, which like, it's just so amazing how many different, um, you know, things that could, that could represent that could be, uh, somebody's IGTV, like their Instagram live video series that could be, um, a, like a virtual summit or, you know, a virtual conference. Um, so you're going to be more likely to get 
um, a kind of inbound PR from from people like that, as opposed to like these big brands that are like, you know, they're constantly like getting pummeled with um, tons of, you know, pitches and stuff like that. Um, it, it's like, you know, figuring out within your niche, which are the companies that are running these annual conferences or that are running these these kind of series, whether it's like a blog interview series or or you know, a live and find the content managers, like, cause it could be at like a big SaaS brand, right? You could, oh, let me find some of the content managers in Drift to get in touch with because they do so many like interview type content across written video, audio. Um, so think content managers, not just journalists when you are making those connections. You definitely give wonderful, valuable answers, because um, I'm always picking up about three different points from them and wondering which thread to take uh, for, for the follow-up conversation. <laughs> and, um, you know, I like your point about, um, for instance, following up and commenting on your target, um, not your target audience, but I guess your target, um, who you want to actually reach out to uh, list um, mm-hmm. and actually interacting with them and, and, and demonstrating that you're interacting with their content and uh, just making them aware that you exist prior to, I guess, some kind of outreach campaign that you do at some point in the future. I think too many people outreach cold and um, if uh, everyone receives a lot of outreach nowadays. So if you receive messages from people that you actually recognise, you're, you're, you're much more likely to um, turn around and and at least read the email and, and consider the the request. Um, I, I, I loved your point as well about um, making sure that your headline was hyper targeted, hyper personalized as well. Um, I, again, taking back to this show, when I am looking for people to discuss certain topics with. You know, I'm, I'm looking for experts on maybe LinkedIn advertising or email marketing or very, very specific subjects. Um, if someone's mm-hmm. headline is that they're a general marketer, it's very difficult to, to keep on going and read through their profile and, and see, well, are they an expert at any particular thing or, or are they just a generalist? It doesn't make them quite so so, so appealing um, to, to, to me. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what about... Um, Measuring success of this. So, if, if you've had, um, uh, if you've managed to appear on um, quite a few different podcasts or been interviewed by quite a few di- different journalists and had content published in other places and hopefully links back to your site as a relation to that, how are you looking to measure the success of uh, from that? Is it is it traffic from those mm-hmm. sites? Um, is is it ranking on your site or, or some other metric? Yeah, that's a great question. So. Um, that brings me to my niche, which is working with SaaS companies. And most of my, you know, SaaS CEO and SaaS um, CMO clients um, are a little like disillusioned when it comes to publicity. They're not expecting publicity to get them <laughs> very much results, especially when you compare it to what, you know, SEO can do. Um, they tend to see publicity as like, you know, if it's a VC backed company and and they have a massive um, potential market, then they might be more like invested in it. But even still, they might see it as like somewhat of a necessary evil and in kind of collecting that authority, but not really like a it's not really like a lead generation strategy for most SaaS companies. Like they're going to see PR as like either something that you kind of have to do to play the game or um, or they actually want to build up that authority and they want to build up a brand 
that is kind of being seen in, you know, even B2C places and, um, you know, just more well-known kind of outlets because they want to build like this big brand. But that's kind of rare in the SaaS world. Most SaaS companies, um, you know, they just want steady um, free trial signups, steady demo requests, and they're not really going to get that from PR. Um, so I'll get to that answer in a second, but before I do for, um, I'll get to the, the SaaS people in a second, but before I do for coaches and consultants in that world, they love collecting those logos. I mean, how many coaches and consultants, Facebook headers have you seen Mm. (laughs) where it's like featured in all this and every single landing page where they sell their programs and have a lead magnet. They have all the places where they've been featured. Um, and when they do get featured, they like celebrate it. Like it's this huge thing, right? Cause a lot of them are like small business owners. They never imagined they would get featured in Forbes and it's like super, super amazing for them. Right. Mm. Um, so they might measure success just on collecting a logo and having something to post in Facebook that gets, you know, 200 likes, when they post the a picture of them with like the Forbes logo and or a screenshot of their article or something right like that right mm-hmm. because when they post that on social media they might get a bunch of leads for their coaching services not even because somebody found it on Forbes and then reached out to them but because they're establishing authority with their audience on Facebook and Instagram and whatever other sites they might be using. So collecting the logo for fur- further use and having something really exciting to announce and kind of show off could be enough for a lot of coaches and consultants. When we're talking about um you know more like scalable SaaS companies that I work with um we're measuring SEO results. So yes, there are some SaaS companies, the bigger ones that care about PR. And and, and in that terms, you still wouldn't measure it as a lead generator. You would measure it in terms of like brand awareness, which is very hard to measure. Um, But for the most part, it's the SEO results. So we're looking at like, you know, how much have we increased the domain rank and how has that affected you know, potential rankings when we compare to like what it was before and, you know, what, um, how many like backlinks have we driven to maybe a 5,000 word mega post that's targeting a very valuable key phrase and did it rank? Um, so it could be looking at like just overall increasing the DR because that does have an impact across the board on your potential rankings, especially like with future content that you might publish. Um, if you have a high DR and also a good topical authority where it's like you're, you're kind of establishing topical authority within just like one to five key topics. Um, if you have that, then when you launch a new post, you know, it could shoot to the top a lot quicker than if you don't have a high DR and you don't have topical authority established. Um, And then we might also be looking at like specific um, pieces of content that we have prioritized in terms of getting um, backlinks to. And that might be through guest blogging, where we're linking to that specific article or page, or through um, podcast interviews, where I'm, you know, reminding my client 
to link to a certain landing page that is SEO optimized um, at the end of the article. I mean, at the end of the interview, as opposed to their um, homepage. So yeah, from in my world, it's pretty much all SEO in terms of measuring. The takeaway from that for me is actually to ask the client what success looks like for them and not assume that the traditional merit metrics that you happen to use um, is what you should report on. Because you might find, as you pointed out, that having a logo um, is is enough uh, as, a, as a success story. And it might be something you've not pinpointed that means the most to a client. So have that conversation with the client, first of all, and um, I guess deliver your reporting at least to incorporate those KPIs from the client's perspective. Uh, one other quick follow-up question, actually. I, I wasn't absolutely sure what you were referring to when you were saying DR. What, what does that stand for? Oh, domain rank. Domain rank. Okay. Like I was thinking domain, domain authority. Yeah. And, okay. DR. I, I was, okay. Got you. Absolutely. Great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's um, kind of park that particular discussion and maybe head over to the, the second part of the discussion. So it's now time for uh, Diana's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with... Secret software. So Diana, share a lesser known MarTech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you. Okay. So, um, you know, when we're talking about combining SEO and PR, um, SEO is still kind of like the foundation, right? And you've got to get your SEO content out there quickly. Otherwise, you don't have a lot of time for all this promotion and PR. Um, so my secret software of choice is Story Chief. We did mention it in my uh, bio as a client. I've worked with them for a couple years. I, I think that not as many people know about them as, as we would like. Still working on that, of course. Um, but yeah, so they get a lot of their traffic from SEO. Like I think in terms of the brand, like they're not like a super well-known brand, but like, you know, still in terms of success doing really well because we're really focused on SEO and PR for them. But anyways, the tool itself is a uh, content operations software uh, that you can use to like publish and promote blog content faster. So to explain this, everybody knows what a social media scheduling tool is. Like if you're if you're all in on social media or you do social media as your like full-time job, you use something like Hootsuite or Buffer. So Story Chief is like that for blogs, but also social media. So most content teams have very like unoptimized um, content processes. They're working inside of Google Docs. And then like the writer has to put the alt text for the images and a comment on Google Docs. And then people have to edit it. And then once it gets edited, something's somebody is copying, pasting, and downloading and uploading images, and then adding the alt text, doing all this stuff inside of WordPress. Um, so Story Chief is a central place where you can collaborate on content together and then hook it up with your website, whether that's like WordPress or Webflow or something else. And then once it's approved, you just like click publish to where you want it to go. And then it will, you know, publish it in all those places. You could even send it to Medium and it would tell Google that the Medium one, you know, wasn't approved, um, like republishing. So it wouldn't be seen as like duplicate content. So it has that kind of coding in there. And then you can also use it um, 
to like send the post to a list of ambassadors if that was employee um employees that publish the content to like their LinkedIn or something for like employee advocacy, or you could also send it to like a list of you have um, partner like content managers where you promote each other's content occasionally, you could send it to them. Um, and then you can also publish on social media. So there's it's like the content p- collaboration, publishing and promotion, all in um, one place. I've I don't think come across Story Chief before. And I, I feel that I should have done because it looks like a wonderful platform. Uh, I see that the pricing starts off at about $100 a month or so. I can't see the exact pricing because I'm um, forwarded to £80 a month uh, in, in, in the UK <laughs> and I can't see the dollar amount, but I assume yeah. it's about that. So so what, what size of business roughly is Story Chief appropriate for? It doesn't look that, as if it's quite appropriate for a one kind of person business, because there's a lot of uh, collaboration involved here. Is there, is there a minimum team size that you'd recommend for using this software? Yeah, so it kind of depends um, for like, there is a use case for the one person, but the main like average team size would be, you know, three to f- or four more um, marketers. Like, so like a marketing team at a company where there's a few different people with their hands in the content marketing pot, which is pretty common because often there'll be a content manager and then there might be two or three freelance writers. Like for the companies that are really doing SEO, um, that are really taking SEO seriously and getting out several posts per month. Um, yeah, they'll have a content manager, two or three writers, and then maybe also a social media um, person that's in like a promotion person. So yeah, so it's definitely designed for content teams, teams that are, you know, collaborating on content, the use case for, um, you know, a one person shop is if you want to take SEO more seriously and you find yourself getting kind of like um, bogged down by, you know, like when you're writing in WordPress, it kind of feels really technical and like, you're just not, it just doesn't feel as smooth or as easy to get things done. Um, you can just do a trial of story chief and you'll see the, the writer is really, really good. Like when you are in there editing, it's like a distraction free writer, um, where it's just it's just really fun to write in it as a writer. It's really fun to write in it. Um, and they have readability and SEO optimizing tools right in there. And, and then there's also like internal, you know, linking um, within your article. So there's these things that are like, if you were to do it in WordPress, it would take so much longer and you would be copying and pasting. And um, there's just little things that can speed it up. And then you don't have to like, give it to your assistant to publish it on your site. You just, you know, hit publish and it goes. Um, And then you can also schedule your promotion at the same time. So if you say, okay, I want this blog to get published next Tuesday. And then I want this Facebook and Twitter post to link to it at the same time. And then a week later, I want it to go again. And a month later, I want it to go again. So that kind of like evergreen content promotion. Mm. Um, So that's a major use case for a solo business owner because, you know, we're it allows you to batch your work because we tend to be like, oh, I need to be putting more content out there and I and I don't you know, have the time. So it allows you to kind of batch your work and look at things in a more evergreen way and look at your whole content calendar 
from your blog, your email, and your social media, because it actually links up with your email marketing tool too. So whether or not you're linking to that blog or just sending an email, it's like you can kind of get that view of all of your content and schedule it. So yeah, I think if there was somebody that was struggling to batch their work, or you want to batch your work, and then you don't want to look at it again, you don't want to have to go logging into all these places. Um, You know, depending on how much you charge for an hour of your time, that $100 could potentially Mm pay for itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to ask more questions about that, but I'm not going to go down that (laughs) rabbit hole just now. Just go to storychief.io if you want to look into that um, particular piece of software a little bit more. But let's move on from something that you currently use to something that you're going to use. So that is next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon? Okay. So I'm going to have a a roundabout answer for this one. It's something that I have tried, but I need to retry and do better. So I can admit failure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have this um, eco living website called Daybring, D-A-Y-B-R-I-N-G.com. And um, it is, you know, eco living tips and, and advice and things, because I think obviously we're on the cusp of what needs to be a big cultural shift. Like we can't expect other people to fix climate change for us. Like we also need to be less wasteful, travel less, all these different things. Like we have to establish a cultural shift in, um, you know, developed countries particularly because we have such higher carbon, you know, per per capita carbon emissions than um, developing countries. So I, but I don't have time to like write all of the content for this site and it's not as technical as what I do. So I was like, okay, I can definitely have, um, more junior writers helping out with this, but I got all excited and got my budget. Like I I just kind of was blowing my budget and, and hiring, you know, too many people. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to retry this and actually set a budget and stick to it. Cause I'm already starting to get some page one rankings on this site and it's only been like a couple months. So I'm really excited about it, but I'm like, okay, I need to make sure it doesn't like take over my main business. Cause I have no idea how, or if I would even monetize this. Right. Mm. So I'm like, how do I monetize this? And do I want to monetize this? Is that even, does that even feel right? So the next marketing activity I'm going to try is to actually stick to a budget when it comes to outsourcing SEO writing to more um, junior writers um, and, and, you know, kind of systematize things a little bit better. Yeah, I think that last word, uh, systemizing, systematizing um, what you do is absolutely key, especially when you're employing more junior workers. I mean, I've used Upwork quite a bit and I've I've found some wonderful Mm -hmm. people on there that, um, you know, it hasn't cost me the earth, but I I want to... what you should generally do is just absolutely ensure that um, you have some easy to follow steps that 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 um, anyone can implement in order to actually get your project done. And if if you don't do that, then you absolutely need to pay higher level because then you have to have someone that's a little bit more able to come up with a concept before they actually do. Exactly. That's exactly right. (laughs) You got to be ready to manage. And I do love Upwork too. Highly recommend. You can absolutely find great people on Upwork. Uh, Very true. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's move on to the Mm. this or that round. So this is the quick response round. So just 10 quick questions, two rows here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Are you ready? Ready. 
TikTok or Twitter? TikTok. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. YouTube or podcast? YouTube. Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers? Influencers. Google ads or Facebook ads? Google ads. Email marketing or chat marketing? Email marketing. Martech stack or all-in-one platform? Martech stack. One-to-one or scale? Scale. I I think the first one was the one that I'm going to dive into just a little bit. TikTok rather than Twitter. Why is that? Well, I guess I was, I kind of got stuck in like personal preferences. (laughs) Like I'd rather watch TikTok videos than be on Twitter. (laughs) So, So you haven't been able to measure that as a valuable tool for digital PR yet? Um, I did create an account like and talk about digital PR and SEO and I and I did like get some traction. Um, but I I decided to pause it in terms of like a marketing activity because, you know, we can't do it all. And, uh, you know, you also got to spend time with your children. <laughs> so I was like, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to like watch hilarious TikTok videos. I I love comedy and I do strongly believe that there's the most amount of comedy happening on TikTok versus other platforms. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting medium. I think I'm the same as yeah. um, I need to actually make a conscious decision not to pick this up in terms of uh, having my content creator hat on and just um, maybe have a look at it occasionally to see what's happening on it. But you have to be very yeah. conscious nowadays as a creator just to select what medium, what type of content and place to publish is right for you yeah. and then do a great job of that. I, I, I guess, do, do you believe that? Do you believe in doing a, a yeah. better jobs in, in fewer platforms? I do believe in that. And also I think it's important to mention that a lot of marketers and business owners have TikTok FOMO. Don't be afraid. The opportunity will always be there. And the reason is that most people are not good at video content. Most people do not want to create video content. It's just like YouTube. It's like when YouTube... Like we don't, we're not all walking around thinking, I must have a YouTube channel. If I don't have a YouTube channel, I'm going to become irrelevant. And yet everybody's thinking this about TikTok, but it's simply not true. The opportunity will always be there because when you're ready to create really great video content, learn how to do those hooks, learn how to make it snappy and do those kind of transitions and all that stuff, there will still be all of the users, all of the watchers that aren't doing that. Like, there's so many TikTok accounts that they're just there to watch videos. They don't have their own profile, just like on YouTube. How many people go to YouTube but never make a video? More people than make videos. Um, so yeah, don't trip on TikTok. Just just wait or never do it. Great advice. Yeah, the opportunity will always be there if you create great quality content that's right for the medium. But if you're just creating average content and just distributing it anywhere. Nowadays, when there's so many other people doing producing content, you're not, you're not going to see, get seen by anyone. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the... The $10,000 question. If I were to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days in a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Oh, I would blow my budget. 
okay. for my junior writers. <laughs> Is that blowing? I blow my that's budget. Not blowing it. <laughs> oh, okay, no, that's true. I would add to my budget temporarily, and um, you know, get my junior writers like cranking out a bunch of you know SEO content. Uh, for my eco living website and see where what I could do with that. What does what does great content for SEO look like nowadays? Is it a certain length? Is it a certain type of article? Um, and, and how do you actually measure whether or not it was worthwhile spending that money? Um, I would say length plus detail. You can never expect to rank everything, so there is somewhat of a spray and pray situation going on. Um, although it's you know you want to. You want to do quality over quantity. Like you're better off publishing um, two, three thousand word articles than six, one thousand word articles in most niches, unless it's like a very new niche with like very low competition that you have magically found. Um, you're going to be better off doing, you know, length, but it's not just about length. It's also about detail. So like if you're doing, you know, the top 10 software for X or the top 10 types of, you know, products, then it, you want to talk about like what features does it have? What's the pricing? What are some of the reviews say? Like every, pretty much every article I've ever ranked and I've ranked hundreds for clients, they all just have detail in common. They have statistics, they have specific numbers, they have images and infographics and, um, so yeah, it's not just about like, you know, let me just write a bunch of long stuff, but like formatting, how can I break up this H2 into these other sections like features, pricing, or, you know, if it's a how-to article, you can break up one step into like the kind of sub steps with some bullet points or something like that. So detail. Great advice. And uh, talking about being magically found, uh, let's change the focus to someone else who deserves it. So that is a magical marketer. So who's an up and coming marketer that you'd like to give a shout out to? What can we learn from them and where can we find them? So you can find Adrian Barnes at bestbuyerpersona.com. And um, like me, she uh, is a SaaS content writer, but she is um, branching out into a new business, which is um, all about creating buyer personas so that companies, you know, truly understand who their best buyer is rather than act on assumptions or kind of, you know, stick to like the same buyer personas for years and not really update them, not understand how, you know, needs in the market has changed, those sort of um issues. And then she'll also kind of create multiple buyer personas if you have, you know, multiple buyers for your products and services. Um, definitely still within B2B and mostly um, mostly within SaaS. But she does a lot of like customer interviews and compiles all of that information into like a buyer persona, you know, document that can be shared across the whole company. So everybody's on the same page with who they are selling to, 
why, what do they really, really care about? Like not what we're assuming, but what are they actually struggling with right now? What are their problems and how do we solve them? And now I want to talk about buyer personas and whether or not the content writers should develop them or whether they, they should exist already in-house and lots of things like that. But maybe I, I should try and have a conversation like that with Adrian Bar- Barnes if possible. Uh, yep. That was um, a lot of great value that you shared there. This was episode 270 of Digital Marketing Radio where uh, Diana Mayfield shared great thoughts about SEOPR to begin with. Be specific about your headlines and your own platforms, certainly like LinkedIn as well. Connect with journalists and comment on their posts. Focus on metrics that matter to your client as well. Don't just think about reporting what you think is right. You know, delve into what's right for your client and many other great tips as well. Your secret software was Story Chief. Your next on the list was outsourcing content writing. And your magical marketer was Adrian Barnes, um, who creates buying personas and content based upon that. Um, All of those tips and resources will be in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Diana, what's the best social platform for someone to follow you and to say hi? Um, Definitely LinkedIn in terms of like businessy stuff um, or Instagram. I'm Diana Mayfield on Instagram and um, LinkedIn. And then um, to learn more about my SaaS copywriting services, you can go to dayonamayfield.com. Absolutely wonderful. Um, well, thanks for coming on. I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts and YouTube shows for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio.com.